Hello and welcome to Culture Watch, a podcast of Speaking for Him. I am your host, Andrew Gamson, and it is my privilege each and every Monday to come to you with news and current events from a Christian perspective. I am so thankful for everyone that listens, and I hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I did with my family, and I'm so grateful for each and every one of them. I recently uh, became an uncle times 30, and that is another thing to be thankful for. I am so thankful to be in the family in which I am, and I hope that you are as well. Uh, If you have strife and upheaval in your family, just know that God is waiting to be the father to the fatherless, and he will never forsake you if you choose to follow him. Well, now let's jump into news for the week of November 27th. We start out today uh, on the college scene with a story from St. Mary's College, which is a sister college of the University of Notre Dame. A Catholic women's college will now consider applications from biological males who identify as women. St. Mary's College in Notre Dame, Indiana, says it's still determining the, quote, practices that will follow from the policy. The school is getting serious blowback for its decision. It is a Catholic school, I mentioned, from current students, some alumni, and women's advocates. Caroline Downey is a reporter for the National Review and visiting fellow at the Independent Women's Forum uh, to talk to us here and now. All right. First of all, my kids go to Catholic school. Um, We do have rules. You can discuss certain issues at home, but you don't bring it into the school. It goes against the curriculum. They're Catholic schools. How is this being allowed? Thanks so much for having me. Well, first of all, you'd expect this absurdity from Mount Holyoke or Barnard or any other progressive women's college, but this is St. Mary's. It's been affiliated with Notre Dame for 179 years. Its namesake is the Virgin Mary. It was founded not only Catholic, but exclusively for women. But these Catholic schools, unfortunately, are self-hating institutions. They're embarrassed of their Catholic identity, and they do things all the time to undermine it. So the fact that St. Mary's would abandon its mission to welcome men is a slap in the face to all of the female students currently enrolled there. And, you know, like you said, Catholic colleges used to be a refuge for morality, goodness, and truth. But we can't depend on that anymore. Uh, The president of the college, Katie Conboy, told the faculty in an email earlier this week about the change in policy. Um, And here's a quote from her in a statement. Okay, St. Mary's will consider undergraduate applicants whose sex assigned at birth is female or who consistently live and identify as women. That goes in drastic um, uh, contradiction to what is being taught in our Catholic schools. In the nation's schools, I get it. That's one thing. You have a choice. You don't have to go to a Catholic school. There are there are reasons why we as parents send our kids to Catholic schools. We want to shield them. I want to shelter my children from certain issues. That's why they go to Catholic school and always have. So where does where do you draw the line in the sand? 
like I said, Catholic schools used to be a haven, but emphasis on used to be. They no longer are. They've been hijacked and corrupted by gender ideology, just like many other public schools and private schools. You're better off setting them to a classical school like that's a charter school that actually teaches the, the basics of gender objectivity. I think I've said this before on the podcast, but when I was growing up, particularly in the late 80s through the 90s, the perception was that the church believes that absolute truth is sacred and the people outside the church, the world, does not because having a ever-changing truth or a my-truth philosophy is a worldly philosophy. But over the last decade plus, we have seen the shift in a major way to where this universalist ideology has infected our churches. Now, as you already know, there are a lot of things I disagree with the Catholic Church on. But there are also some fundamental truths that I have agreed with them on, one of which is the sacredness of all human life. The Catholics were the early leaders in the pro-life movement. Uh, my father actually was one of the starters of Baptist for Life because he felt that Protestants didn't take as much ownership of the pro-life issue and position as they should have. I am forever grateful to him for that, and I'm grateful uh, that Protestants have begun to see this as a more important issue than they used to. Another issue that Catholics, for the most part, agree with us on is the fact that God made men and women, male and female, for a purpose. And so it goes completely against Catholic ideology to even consider allowing trans women who are biologically male to become part of the student body of an all-women's college. Now, I did not know, to be perfectly honest with you, that there were still all-women's colleges that existed. But I definitely believe that if you choose to go to one, you choose it with a purpose. And having men on campus, even if they believe themselves to be women, violates that purpose. So I truly hope that St. Mary's rescinds this decision for the good and the safety of their students. This country uh, is based on Judeo-Christian values, and the Catholics, for the most part, on the fundamental moral problems of our day, have agreed with the Protestants and stood for biblical values. And I think it's important for them to continue to do so. And I really think it's incumbent upon all of us to continue to stand for the truth. And the truth is that men and women are unique aspects of God's divine creativity. He made them because that is what made his creation complete. He made man, and when man could not find a helper for himself after he named all the animals, God said it is not good for a man to be alone, and he gave him the woman, and that was the foundation of all of humanity. Adam even named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. 
So we need to pray for St. Mary's that they would make the right decision for their students, and that is to rescind this insanity and backtrack on their decision to allow trans women to get on campus at St. Mary's. So definitely keep that in your prayers. The next story that I want to share with you is a very intriguing history on the pardoning of the turkey as part of the Thanksgiving celebration of the President of the United States. I hereby grant you a full pardon. There are certain days uh, that remind me of why I ran for this office. And then there are moments like this. Special day for turkeys, I guess, probably for the most part, not a very good one. Congratulations, Bird. It is one of the oldest and most venerable holiday traditions in Washington, D.C. And it has its origins in 1863. Tad Lincoln, the youngest son of Abraham Lincoln, established this tradition. And it continues to this day. I discovered that while working on my book, The Magnificent Mischief of Tad Lincoln. But wait till I show you where they keep these turkeys. All right, we're at the Willard Hotel. I can't wait to see these birds. These birds have better accommodations than I do. They put the two turkeys in a suite here at the Willard. And you're going to see, you'll see. I almost think I should do the turkey walking. Turkey lurkey, guess who's here? Oh, my goodness. Who was the first president in the modern era to use the word pardon when referring to a turkey? No, I'm sorry. No, it was not Jimmy Carter. It was Ronald Reagan. I can say happy Thanksgiving right in front of us. It doesn't happen. I love how you guys are showing off the full plumage here. Absolutely beautiful. Is, is this hard being under this kind of scrutiny? But, oh, no. I have a reluctant interview. We may need to reset here. What was the name of the first turkey that was part? It wasn't Blago. We have great trust and faith in the appeal. No, it was Jack. Jack. Tad Lincoln named his turkey Jack. Who is your favorite Fox and Friends host? Is it Ainsley, Brian, Steve, or Lauren? Who? I didn't ask you about Janice Dean. Is it Brian, Ainsley, Steve, or, or, or Lawrence? Ainsley. All right. Well, I'm sorry about that, Lawrence, but well, look, we're, I'm thankful for you. You know, don't, don't take everything the turkey <laughs> right. says as gospel truth here. Right. But look, I, well, one of the things I love about this moment and to, to bring it all home, Tad Lincoln, the youngest son of Abraham Lincoln, his brother Willie died in the White House. He befriended a turkey that was sent to the White House for the holidays. And on the, the great day on Christmas Eve, the White House chef collects the bird, brings it to the kitchen. Tad Lincoln 
Lincoln freaks out. He grabs the bird, brings it to his father in the cabinet room, and begs his father for a presidential pardon. He had watched his dad pardon uh, men who had abandoned the war field during the Civil War, returned property to those who were in the Confederacy. So he saw the mercy of Lincoln, and he begs the mercy of Lincoln. And it is Abraham Lincoln who writes the first, in this case, reprieve of execution, <laughs> the first turkey pardon in the White House. That tradition continues today. And, you know, 1863, a very big year for the country. It's the year Lincoln signs the Emancipation Proclamation. Mm -hmm. It's the year he pardons Tad's turkey. It's also the year he fixes the last Thursday in November mm. as Thanksgiving's wow. national holiday. And in that proclamation, I'm going to read you something he wrote, because it tells us what this holiday is supposed to be. He wrote, this is a moment for us to beg God in penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience to fervently implore the almighty hand to heal the wounds of the nation and restore it to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, and tranquility. It was never intended to be a feast of gluttony. It was to be a feast of mercy and forgiveness and thanksgiving. Wow. Let's extend that to one another, and I hope that's what this Thanksgiving represents as we go toward Christmas. I thought that was a very interesting story. I liked the fact that he gave us the origins of the pardoning of the turkey. But the one thing that I really wanted to bring out of this story was Abraham Lincoln's Thanksgiving proclamation pointed to a day of Thanksgiving and repentance. Of course, this Thanksgiving declaration was made in 1863 during the heart of the Civil War. This was a time when brother was fighting against brother, when the nation was divided, when the Confederacy had formed uh, to separate and go against the nation. And Abraham Lincoln would say in the Gettysburg Address that uh, this conflict tested whether the American nation or any nation so conceived could survive on the earth. And he led America through the most tumultuous time we have seen on our shores, which was the American Civil War. And I just love this idea that Thanksgiving is about more than just giving thanks for the things we have, even though it is, and I'm grateful to be able to do that, but is also a time for repentance, a time for introspection, a time to say, God, you've given me all these blessings. I have not been as grateful as I should be, and I have not lived always the way I should be, but you are faithful to me. Help me to be more faithful to you. And I thought that was very uh, significant. I really have admired Lincoln for much of my life. I remember doing a report on him in elementary school. I think I was probably between the ages of 7 and 10 when I wrote that report. My mom uh, took down the dictation, and it actually was a part of a display at some kind of homeschool fair where people displayed reports and science projects, and I just remember being so proud of that. My fascination with Lincoln led me into a fascination with the Civil War because, of course, that is what he became known for. And the fact that he became president in 1861, right before the start of the war, and that he was assassinated in 1865, 
early in his second term, right after the war, really shows that, like Esther, he was raised up to the presidency for such a time as this. And I also just really like the compassion of Lincoln, who sensed his son's pain and was willing to pardon the turkey that his son had befriended. So I just think there's a much greater significance to the pardoning of turkeys than maybe we had at first realized, and I thought that was significant enough to share with you. Well, my final story today is also Thanksgiving-related, but it's kind of the other side of the coin, uh, because it's someone saying that we should do away with the American celebration of Thanksgiving as we know it. A liberal columnist wants to take away your Thanksgiving feast, writing, quote, the journey to decolonize Thanksgiving is also an opportunity for a broader movement to decenter colonial perspectives around the world. Let's tell a different story by dropping the lie of Thanksgiving and begin a truce giving. Mike Huckabee joins me now. Mike, what's your reaction to this latest move by the left to ruin a tradition that normal people enjoy? Todd, I think my simple message to this uh, whiner would be this. Shut up and eat. It's Thanksgiving. Get over it. Uh, You know, don't bust the balloons of Macy's uh, parade and make a fool of yourself. Accept the fact that America is a great country. We have some great traditions. Thanksgiving is one of our best. It's a terrific time to get together with family and friends. This person may not have a family that wants them or any friends that will claim them. But find some. You know, go to a Waffle House today if all else fails. But enjoy Thanksgiving. Enjoy this great country. And if you hate America, get on a plane, take a one-way ticket, find some place you think you'd like better, and have a nice life. That's the point that you just made, right? Today is all about giving thanks. If these people aren't thankful for all that America gives them, try your hand at happiness in another country. Nobody's stopping you. We will have no question. We will let you go on your merry way. But with regard to this word of colonization, you're hearing colonization, decolonization. Nobody really knows what it means. Do you think this is becoming the left's new everything's racist? Well, it is, and it's stupid. Just in a word, it's stupid. Uh, Throughout all of human history, uh, countries have invaded other countries. They've sometimes been at wars, often because they were attacked. And then they, uh, in a war, one land, things get reapportioned. It's just a part of human history and the movement. Uh, You know, we could look at the Greeks, the Romans, the Byzantines, the Ottomans. It never stops. The British, yes, the Americans. But I'm kind of glad that the uh, colonies happened. I'm kind of glad that we have the United States of America. It's been the greatest experiment in human government since the beginning of time. I like it here. I like it a lot. And I don't think it's something we ought to be ashamed of. It's something we ought to be grateful for, and today's a good day to do it. I agree wholeheartedly with Governor Huckabee here. Uh, America is a place to be thankful for. Have we always made the right decisions? No. We just, in the last story, talked about the Civil War. That was a horrendous thing that happened on our shores. And while slavery was not the only issue that was being fought about, it did help to galvanize the cause to obliterate slavery in our country. Because Abraham Lincoln said 
this country cannot exist half slave and half free. We have to answer the question of slavery and we have to say that it is unacceptable. America has made mistakes, but America never claimed to be perfect. What it does claim is to give people the opportunity to experience freedom and liberty. And as we have talked about on many occasions on this podcast, liberty is not the opportunity to do whatever I want at all costs. It is the opportunity to do the thing which I ought to do for the betterment of my family and myself and the people around me. Paul said, let each esteem other better than themselves. And if we truly do that, America can be a great place. I would say to the writer of this column that if you are living somewhere in a pleasant place with opportunities and running water and a comfortable place to live, then you are living in a colonized area. So you are benefiting from the colonialism that you claim to hate. I think the only way to get away from quote-unquote colonialism is to find a place on a desert island. And on a similar topic, when we talk about giving land back to Native Americans who supposedly owned it, that is convoluted as well. Because to think that they were simply peaceful people sitting around campfires and singing Kumbaya is not an accurate representation of history. The reality is that they, along with almost every other people group in history, had a long history of fighting each other for the land. So we wouldn't even know exactly who to give it back to if we were so disposed. The fact of the matter is that we have much to be thankful for here in America, and we should use our freedoms to benefit one another. One of the reasons that World War II ended in a resounding victory is because on D-Day, Canada, Great Britain, and the United States unified together for the freedom of the world against those who were seeking to destroy it. And Hitler's regime was ended. His power over the world was ended because we were willing to fight for freedom. And that, I believe, is the overall legacy of America as a country that fights for freedom. Did we make mistakes? Yes. The way that we treated American Indians through our history was not always the greatest. But neither is the reservation mentality that says we should give them everything they want because we enslaved them at one time. I have known an American Indian student who got a totally free education and a totally free apartment and she bombed her first year of college because she didn't care about doing well because everything was paid for. When you give someone everything, they will not respect it as much as if they work for it. That is the reality. When I was in college, I paid for every dime of my education. And I knew that if I failed a class, I would be the one that would have to pay to retake it. So I think we need to put things in perspective. There is no perfect person in history aside from the Lord Jesus Christ. 
There is no perfect nation in history. The only perfection can come as we submit ourselves to the perfect one, Jesus Christ. The goal of the Christian life is to be conformed more to the image of our Lord and Savior. And it is a lifelong goal. It is something that Paul said, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's not something that you can just do overnight. It is a journey. That is why speaking for him exists, to admonish and encourage fellow travelers on the journey that we call the Christian life. Well, as I said, I hope that you had a week of thankfulness as we have celebrated Thanksgiving. Now we are officially in the holiday season and starting to think about Christmas. And I just want to end today by reminding you that Christmas points to the cross. Jesus was born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger because he came to live a perfect life and to die on the cross to perfectly fulfill the law of Moses. He said, I did not come to destroy the law of Moses. I came to fulfill it. Jesus did not come to lower the standards of heaven. He came to fulfill the standards of heaven so that he could raise us up by his righteousness and let us know that because we wear his righteousness, we do fulfill the standards of heaven. And that is something to be very thankful for. Until next week, this is Andrew Gomison for Culture Watch saying, have a great one and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 